Thinking about the future, let me make two bold predictions. One, there will be work. And two, performance will still matter. But who will be doing the work? What kind of work will there be? And what does all of this mean when we're trying to drive the adoption of technology? We've got a lot to cover. Let's get to it. Are you ready to perform at your highest potential? Welcome to the Performance Matters Podcast from GP Strategies, your workforce transformation partner. In each episode, we'll interview industry experts and explore best practices and innovative insights to help your organization improve performance. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Teal. By day, I'm a creative director serving within the innovation team here at GP Strategies. And today we're talking about the future of work and the evolution of learning in the flow of work. This is a big topic. This is a very big topic. So we needed to bring in a thought leader with the experience and the expertise to do it justice. So I'm pleased to be joined in the virtual studio with GP Strategies' very own Linda Lampert. How are you doing, Linda? I'm doing great today. Thanks, Michael. Well, listen, we're honored to have you here. For those that have not had the pleasure of getting to know Linda, I'm just going to share a little bit of background here. She's a director at GP Strategies. She specializes in the practice of human and organizational performance. She comes here today with over 30 years of expertise in the human performance technology field, including 10 of those right here at GP. And she's been busy. She helps companies drive the adoption of enterprise systems such as SAP, Oracle, and Infor. And really, she's done it all working all the way from an instructional systems designer all the way up through a director. And when you talk to Linda, it's pretty evident she blends the right tools for the job, whether it's modern learning approaches, training and systems documentation, online performance support, even getting into business process re-engineering and change management. Most recently and very timely for today's topic, Linda's been focusing on people-related challenges associated with the digital transformation many global companies are undergoing here. So we're honored to have you. Now, Linda, give us a fun fact, something surprising that we would have no idea about. Well, I'll tell you, you know, so you mentioned 30 years. I have been working with some incredible customers over all that time. Um, but maybe my funnest fact and the thing that I really cherish is my memory of working with Goodyear. Many years ago, um, started with them and it was a great gig. We were there for over a year. And at the end of it, I got a little package in the mail and it was a picture of my name on the Goodyear blimp, which oh is my something gosh. that it's something that they do uh, <laughs> for folks that they really like. And you know, people tease me and they say it's fake, but no, it is a real thing that they do for partners and and folks that have rendered service to the company. So that's probably my favorite fun fact. I've heard you have a picture of that. Can you show me this one time <laughs> here, just live while we're on air? This is while we're on air. Here is, it is. I'm holding it up because I have oh, it in my I office. I love it. That is a pretty cool thing. Obviously, you're doing good things for clients past and present here. And, you know, today's topic really is this concept of the evolution of learning and the flow of work. What I want you to do is put out your crystal ball here a little bit. Everyone has a different perspective on the future of work. I mean, what's your perspective on what we're going to be seeing here in the in the coming years? You know, the future of work is impacted by so many factors and it seems like what you think of it is is based on the lens that you're wearing, you know? So you think about things like people think about the availability, the capabilities of technology obviously influencing things. 
economic factors are obviously coming into play with the future of work. Um, and then, of course, we had this minor global plan pandemic that, has, <laughs> you know, come and impacted things. So all of those things, we're seeing so many impacts, everything from, you know, there are large and growing skill deficits that we're seeing, um, you know, the idea of a move away from the core office and everything that that means, that idea of hybrid work is a huge change as well. And then, you know, other things that are much more, you know, maybe more recent and more modern. So the idea of not just taking into account diversity, equity and inclusion or DEI, but also um, environment and social and, govern and governance concerns. They call it ESG, right? So depending, as I said, on your lens, that future of work can have many impacts. You know, I'm a simple person, so I like to boil it down to, to really simplify things and think about this from a perspective of who is doing the work, what are they doing, where are they doing the work, and how are they doing it? So Linda, I like where your head's at here. Let's talk about this first element, and that is who is doing the work? So how is this going to change in the coming years? This is a huge, huge change, and and HR people are all over this already. Um, you know, changes in the workforce will have a huge impact on who is doing the work for many, many organizations. So think about that. I mean, first of all, obviously, everybody's heard about the great resignation. You know, for yeah. a lot of companies, that means a less experienced workforce that's hired in to backfill for those experienced people who have you know, gone away, and they're going to be the ones performing job tasks, which is a big change. Newer employees with less experience with the company, even if they have previous job experience, they don't have experience with the company. The other thing, another thing we're seeing is in the aftermath of COVID, a lot of companies are looking at different kinds of staffing scenarios. So one of the big ones is that there is a transition to the greater use of contract workers because then they can move their um, workforces up and down as necessary. And then this implementation of what, you know, what people call a gig economy, which is, you know, those people that come in and do kind of the last mile, the Uber drivers of the world, the, the, the people who deliver the pizzas to you at night. Um, and so it's really blurring our traditional understanding of what work is. You know, for us in, in learning, that can really translate into just this constant need to train up new contractors and new gig workers as they onboard continuously. So it's it's kind of like what we used to see with seasonal employees, but now it's potentially all year round. And then the last thing I'll mention um, is really the use of AI and machine learning. So this is that technology part of the future, right? right? And this is where, you know, this kind of ability to have technology make smart decisions, it's, it's reducing the value of elite skills. Those really experienced employees who are the ones where you couldn't train somebody to do what they can do because they have that decision-making capability. And those are the people that they had those jobs that were very hard to backfill. As you think about the fact that these technologies can come in and backfill for them, it gives companies all kinds of flexibility in terms of how they define the workforce and who they hire to do that work. Well, I would say as somebody with some of those elite skills, that's a little scary for me personally. I'm sorry. I, I hate to break, be the one to break the news to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Make friends with the robots is what you're telling me, right? Yeah. Well, and what I was going to say when we're talking about the kind of work that's being done, so that 
idea of the AI and machine learning being able to come in and impact the kind of work we're doing also means that those folks can get freed up to do other kinds of value added learning, right? And so those people, you're not doing the dumb stuff anymore. You're doing, you're really being able to focus your knowledge and your expertise on really important, more strategic things. Okay, that's interesting. So it sounds like it's not doomsday. You can take some of the relatively mundane tasks and free up for the higher order type learning. Is is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, absolutely. And what you what you know, we might talk about this a little bit later, but that does have big implications for learning and development as we're trying to to drive adoption of technology. So let's think about this in terms of the kind of work that is being done here. So tell us more about what you're seeing coming down the pipe. Yeah. So you know, as we just said, this idea of what kind of work you're doing because of AI and machine learning being able to help do your job is one thing. Um, And if you think about that, that kind of work change means that we can really change how our workforces are designed. So right now you see lots of folks in places like call centers where those people, their jobs could, you know, effectively either go away or really evolve because we've got AI and machine learning behind them. And then we can, as I said, have those people focusing on more strategic value added work. Um, You know, I think we're going to see, and we probably already have seen it in a lot of industries that those jobs that that require that ability to strategically analyze data and information, those are going to be really more and more in demand. So that kind of work is is definitely going to evolve, and that's going to change greatly in our lifetimes. Linda, let me ask you to talk a bit about where you see where work is going to be done in the future. I mean, I think this one is is maybe the easiest conversation of all, because all of us know with COVID, we have learned that many, many kinds of work can be done remotely. I think most large organizations, the nature of the work is going to return and remain hybrid. But that has some interesting implications. And I think we've started to learn that. But you know, as this workforce evolves, and this means that, you know, that work's going to be done by employees, they're going to be at their home offices, or many other locations, right, not just the Starbucks, but other places. What's interesting about that in terms of the future of work is it brings a whole new meaning to bring your own device, right? <laughs> that, think about all that Internet of Things data floating around, and you're at the Starbucks. Anyway, there's a lot of applications for people. Now, in terms of bring your own device, I'm looking here at my home office. I have four screens, three microphones, two different headphones, a camera with a teleprompter. I mean, it's like uh, it's a it's a crazy investment to to make to just try to be functional in this global world. If you would have told Mike Teal two years ago about this, my head would have exploded. But over time, just had to evolve because where the work is being done for me personally has radically shifted. Exactly, exactly. So Linda, how is the work being done and how is that evolving? Yeah, and I'm sure you see this in your own personal life as well, but technology is letting us, you know, distribute work not only over geographies, but also over time. You know, and and I know my most of my projects now are global in nature. My teams are spread around the world. We are working 24-7 around the clock in some cases. Um, and all of that is is enabled by technology. Um, and I think that's going to be more and more what the future of, of work is. The other thing that's really interesting about how the work is being done 
is is a little bit scary and big brotherish. Um, <laughs> but you know, technology is giving us greater insight into the specifics of how work is being done, which gives huge benefits to to organizations to really understand where their costs are, where their barriers are to getting work done. Um, but that data analytics is also giving a lot greater transparency, and it's exposing you know in some cases issues with organizations or with their workers. That insight has a lot of potential, but also has maybe some concerns for for our workforce. You know, one of the things that you've specialized in has been driving the adoption of new technologies throughout an enterprise. So what does all of this mean when, when that task is at hand? This is where it starts getting really interesting for me, because When we're talking about driving technology adoption, whether that's a small technology or a big enterprise-wide technology, each one of these areas, the who, what, where, and when, can have huge influences on how we design learning and performance support as we're trying to drive new technology. So in order to get that all up and running, we really need to think about our old solutions. We really need to be thinking about all this as we plan for adoption. So, you know, what we traditionally would say in the enterprise implementation world is change management, right? Um, We really need to think about that. How do we get that solution adopted? But then also, maybe even more so than ever before, how do we maintain those skills over time? Because remember, we were talking about those turnovers in resources, turnovers in employees. So we can't just have a go-live solution. We have to have something that's going to be there over time. This, more than anything else, means that our traditional solutions that we've used are not going to be effective. What specifically should organizations be thinking about regarding who is doing the work and what work are they doing? Traditionally, when we have a learning solution to drive technology adoption, we focused on training experienced employees to do their job tasks with a new technology. Nowadays, like we spoke about earlier, we need to re-examine those assumptions about, you know, employees and whether or not they're experienced. So with these high degrees of turnover, they might be missing those baseline skills that they need um, or knowledge that they need that's going to be necessary for successful adoption. So assessing that should really be a critical step right up front when you're designing a learning solution, because you might need to include more baseline content than before or have two flavors of your solution, one for experienced people, one for less experienced. Hmm. Yeah. Another thing that I think about a lot is this consideration of the impact of the AI and machine learning on the design of the work and the job. So for example, if the job performance requires more advanced or strategic work than before, you know, learning solutions really need to train those skills rather than just Traditionally, we would focus a lot on transactional training, how we run a particular task in a system, for example. But these strategic things are really about taking data and understanding it and making smarter decisions. And that is different than training people to do something that's just transactional. So I'll give you an example. I'm working with a customer right now, and they're going to be using an advanced analytical functionality to do 
forecasting for their business. It's it's so it's very complicated. It takes data from a lot of different places to do planning for their business so that they can do all the planning for what they're going to buy in terms of materials, et cetera. For that training, you know, you can't just train people to run a transaction. What we're going to be looking at is is more of an immersive team workshop and and probably also some post go live sessions where they're going to go in and practice using this tool to make decisions and they're going to do it as a group so they can figure out what the right way of using the tool is. There's no black and white, right and wrong way. It's just how do we get so smart to use it? That is a very different kind of training that we, than what we've done, done traditionally. So expanding you know, our toolkit to that kind of solution is going to be really important moving forward. What should people be thinking about regarding where and how work is being done? So that where part um, is really interesting because you've got all these remote access people and, and most companies now have gotten to a point where those folks can dial into meetings, they can dial into a system, they have network access, they can kind of run their day-to-day operations. You know, and, and unfortunately, while those solutions might be okay for those day-to-day operations, when you're turning on a complex new enterprise system, people need more help. And they're going to have issues. They're going to need more support. Um, that was really easy in the olden days when they were all in an office and you could just walk to their desk side and help them. But that right. doesn't happen anymore. So that's a complicating <laughs> factor and one that I think people really need to to be take, taking account of. The other thing, you know, and that's related to that really is this idea of hypercare and how you provide hypercare to these audiences. Because again, they aren't sitting at a desk in an office somewhere. Um, a lot of complex enterprise systems implementations, they actually have, you know, people wearing T-shirts, wandering around the office that you know that they're the help people and you can call, flag them down. Yeah, but that's not, that doesn't work anymore. They're not going to be wandering exactly. around the Northeast, you know, United States or something providing help. Um, <laughs> or the world in many cases. So providing a a stronger learning and performance support solution is gonna be part of how we address that, right? We have better help, better training, but we also have to look, I think, at, at the formal and the informal relationships that people now have that have evolved from remote and hybrid work. So you have a network of people that you work with. How do we get those networks so that Michael's the person you call if you have an issue with this and you know him and you feel comfortable asking him questions, you know, and you're really taking advantage of those relationships and networks and integrating them into the change management solutions to drive adoption. Well, Linda, this has been an amazing conversation. It's been a nice peek into the future. And I can't thank you enough on behalf of our many listeners around the globe for sharing your insight today. My pleasure. Um, And I hope we have an opportunity to talk in the future again. The Performance Matters podcast is brought to you by GP Strategies. Together, we can create a world where business excellence makes possibilities achievable. You can subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts or listen on our website at gpstrategies.com.